Where were those voices when they were singing? <laughs> well, I just want to thank everybody that helped get all this together today because uh, we're running kind of short on the, on our crew and uh, what a blessing to have a church that can pull together and get things done like this. So thank you so much. Thank you, Trent. Uh, we're back in uh, Thessalonians again, uh, and uh, not Thessalonians, Titus. Thank you. Dottie has to correct me on that. I do have some stuff from Thessalonians in my uh, scriptures, but uh, yeah, we're starting in Titus, and uh, I hate to say it, but it was read from the wrong version uh, earlier, and I'm going to read it again. <laughs> Our scripture for today is uh, Titus 1. 1 through 5. Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, according, which is according to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago, but at the proper time, time manifested even his word in the proclamation which I was entrusted, with which I was entrusted according to the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. How many of you have... Uh, been put in a situation where you had the qualifications to do it probably but you didn't have the experience and you really didn't want to take on the task that somebody was requiring you to do yeah I think all of us have been asked to do things we didn't feel comfortable doing back when uh, three years ago when uh, COVID was started. I work in a hospital and as a pharmacist to make money. <laughs> and so that's, that's where I am uh, most of the time. Uh, and my job there is a staff pharmacist, so I just do a basic skill level stuff, make sure everything's right and gets to the right place and that kind of thing. Well, when COVID hit, uh, things changed dramatically at the hospital. And uh, it was like we were trying to figure out all these new things you had to do and how to do it and how to get around this and make sure this is right and that right. And at the same time, uh, our director decided that she needed to retire. Actually, she'd been planning it for a long time, but it was great for her to get out right then. She, of course, I'm sorry, on her behalf. It was good for her, but not bad for us. And... Uh, uh, it, was, it was like the perfect storm hit with all this going on when that happened. And the CEO that's over the pharmacy in the hospital there said, we got to find somebody to take her place till we can get a replacement. And she said, Stuart, you're it. I did not want to do it. I've got a license. I'm licensed to do it. But to take on all that responsibility, I didn't know what was going on. And it put me in a, a shaky position, I thought. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I, I was pretty much unwilling and unprepared, you could say, to do that. 
had a bad attitude, to say the least. Uh, and it would have been nice if I'd had, uh, you know, one of those books, The Idiot's Guide to uh, Being a, a Pharmacy Director would have been great at the time. But I don't even think they have one of those. <clears throat> uh, and, you know, it was, it was traumatic because of unique circumstances. And, of course, me being unprepared and unwilling didn't help anything. Uh, but something that did help me was when I realized that uh, God's sovereign and he placed me in that place at that time to do that job. Uh, I, I buckled down and did it. And uh, it turned out okay, but I'll have to admit that my attitude was not the best and, uh, as I performed those duties. Uh, we made it through it. Uh, the interim person came in, and I was so thankful that I could go back to my regular, regular job and where I was comfortable. And, you know, a few weeks ago, Nathan talked to us about how uh, you have examples in with people in life that you can pick up on, like Israel. That was given in, and uh, how Israel, when they were in the desert, they grumbled and they uh, were unsatisfied with God. And uh, those are examples for us to learn from not to do that. Well, this is an example in my life where I was grumbling and not being satisfied with where God had placed me. And I was kind of like the Israelites then. Uh, Sad to say. So there's a lesson for us all. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Uh, uh, When life's uh, demands press on you, you need to be leaning on God and uh, allowing him to use you as he would. But some things will help you out. And today we're going to look at Titus, because he was put in a pressing situation. You saw the last verse that we read was, for this reason I left you in Crete that you might set in order what remains uh, and appoint elders in every city as I directed. That's a difficult task. That's, that's, uh, can you imagine somebody coming up to you and saying, you need to go to this, this island that had, I looked at it uh, on a map, I don't know how many I had back in this day, but today, they, I counted the number of churches on Crete, and it's well over 100. And I'm sure back then there wasn't near that many, but I'm sure there were a lot, probably one in virtually every town there was in, in Crete. So uh, it was a bustling seaport sea, uh, island, so they had a lot of people in and out. So uh, I'm sure there was a, a lot there. Uh, and he had to set in order what remained there. Uh, uh, and so uh, this was a extremely difficult task. It would be for me, but from all indications, it wasn't for Titus. And we're going to look at and see why. First, we're going to look at the verse. And for this reason, I left you. Uh, we just kind of tear this verse apart and look at it. Sometime between Paul's first imprisonment and second imprisonment in Rome when he got out he met up with Titus and they were going around doing ministry and they went to Crete that's how they got there and as they got there they noticed that all the churches they came to in Crete uh, were lacking and that's why things need to be set in order Uh, and the churches there were probably started that we don't have any historical 
uh, facts about our writings about this, but as best as uh, theologians who study this thing have come up with, it was probably the churches were started by uh, Jewish people that had gone to Jerusalem to worship and come back converted because they were touched by the gospel. And most, more specifically, uh, probably it's a good chance that it happened. The first of them came, did that when they came uh, back from the day of Pentecost. Because if you uh, look in uh, Acts chapter 2, it gives us a little uh, inkling of an idea that how this might have happened. It's on the day of Pentecost, and they'd all come together in one place, and then the, suddenly the, whole, the noise of a violent wind rushing, and the whole house was filled where they were sitting. Tongues of fire came down on their heads, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's the birth of the church right there. Uh, and now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation. When, they, when this sound occurred, the multitude came and gathered, and they were bewildered because uh, they were hearing them speak in their own language. Uh, they were amazed and marveled, and they say, Why, why are not these, Galilee, these who are Galileans? Why are not all these who are, Gal- who are speaking Galileans? Uh, and how is it that each of each hear them in our own language in which we were born? Because there were Parthians, Medes, Emilites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya, Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans. People from Crete and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongue, and they're speaking the mighty deeds of God. So there's a possibility that on the day of Pentecost, some of them heard it. Some of them were the three thousand souls that were saved that day, and they hung around as long as they could in in Jerusalem, learning about this new faith they had. And I'm sure they learned. How about Jesus and the gospel? But the church was in, in its infancy then, so they had to go back home. And when they went back home, they had very little, if any, information on how the church was supposed to be. Uh, how the church was, was supposed to be uh, uh, run, as in its polity and its function. They didn't know uh, they that had not put in been put in place. So when Paul and, and Titus saw their need to be instructed to set these things in order, uh, uh, Paul knew that, hey, I have other things I have to do, but Titus, uh, I'm, you need to stay and, uh, and, and set these things in order. And he was quite comfortable with doing that. Uh, uh, I was, uh, you know, I'd have to be really comfortable to leave somebody behind to do that big a job. They'd, I'd have to be really, really comfortable with them because I have been on mission trips. I went to Albania uh, years ago. I think it was 94. Uh, and it was right after the Iron Curtain had fallen there and they were allowing people to come in and because they had no 
they would not allow any religious, not even anybody to, to speak the word God in public or in private because the, they even had brainwashed the people so much that the husbands and wives were afraid if they said that and the husband or wife didn't tell on them that they would all be killed in the family. That's how bad it was there. And so when I got over there, they were kind of spooky about it, but spooked about it, but they were open to hear the gospel. And uh, as we went around and shared the gospel, the Lord was was uh, gracious to, we saw some people come to Christ and make professions. Uh, there was no churches there. There was one little church in an orphanage, and that's where we were staying. That was the only church, I think, in the whole country at the time. And it was in the capital city. And so we were staying there in the orphanage. Well, we had come into the country uh, on the week of Ramadan. And the country was half, quote, Christian from their background and half uh, uh, Muslim. So when Ramadan... and and even then, those people, just they knew their families had been that before communism struck. And so once it was there, they ceased all their activity. But the Muslims were, were running pretty strong by the time we got there. Got there. And so uh, when Ramadan hit, we were shut down for those days that they were uh, fasting and praying. And they were sacrificing lambs in the whole nine yards over there. And uh, we were stuck on the third floor of this orphanage. And I thought, Lord, you know, you sent me over here and we're leading these people to the Lord, but there's nothing we can do with them. And, and I was starting to feel guilty for, you know, feeling bad, not guilty for leading somebody to the Lord, but just feeling bad that, you know, what's going to happen to these people? You know, and uh, that's kind of thing I've, I was thinking, you know, Paul probably felt that could have felt that way if he had to leave and he didn't have somebody good to take over for him when he left. What's going to happen to these churches? I kind of got that, that same feeling. Fortunately, to just end that story with a good note, while we were sitting there waiting for uh, uh, Ramadan to get over so we could get back out and start talking to people again, uh, one of my interpreters, uh, or two, three of them that were with us, uh, they were just hanging out with us because there was there was nothing for them to do either. We paid them to, to be our interpreters the whole time. And they, uh, I, I got up and that morning I was uh, having a quiet time. I said, Lord, you know, you sent me all the way over here. There's a ton of money's been spent. I just, you know, I don't understand why you uh, have uh, put me in this place and I'm not able to go out and share the gospel and lead people to Christ because that was my forte at the time. Uh, that's what I, I thought I was here on this earth to do, which I am here on this earth to do, that, by the way. But there's other things, too. And uh, I was reading my utmost for his highest at the time, and it was about, uh, I can't remember exactly what verse it was from now, but I remember the theme of it was, you can only uh, do what God has handed you to deal with. And I started thinking about that. Uh, you, can't, you can't do anything for him unless he gives it to you. And I thought, well, what has he given me here this morning? And I looked around, and there was those three uh, interpreters. 
And so I had learned, I started learning how to do some inductive Bible study uh, and, you know, ask the questions so that you can uh, figure out what the passage really means. And so uh, uh, I said, hey, girls, y'all want to, there were three women that were the interpreters that were with us. There was another guy, but he wasn't there that day. I think he was out doing Ramadan or something. And so we said, uh, well, uh, I said, would y'all like to see how I've learned to, to, uh, read the Bible and be able to get the interpreta- uh, interpretation out of it so you'll know what it's really saying. Uh, and it, I said it works for any verse in the Bible. Man, I set myself up for that one because I wasn't very good at it at the time. Still not, but still. Uh, the uh, uh, They said, yeah, I want to hear that. And so I picked out a familiar verse and went through it. And they said, yeah, I see how that works. And I said, and one of them said, you said any verse. I said, yeah. She said, let's go to Lamentations and pull out one of these. I went, oh, Lamentations, come on. Well, we did it, and thankfully, uh, it must have worked because they were excited about the interpretation we got out of it after we started asking the questions. What's it say? What does it mean? Was it, uh, what did it mean to the people there, and what does it mean to us right now? And they just gave, walked through those answers with them. Uh, well, that was great. We went finished our trip. I did not have contact with those people again, but one of the guys with us on the trip the old grandfather type guy that was with us had made friends with one of the interpreters. Her name was Mary. And about three months later, he, he and I were teaching a Bible study together. And he said, Stuart, you won't believe it. Mary sent me a card today and uh, you won't, you, you'll never believe what she's doing now. I said, what's that? And he says, she has started a Bible study on the campus of the university there and she's teaching 60 women how to study the Bible. It's good when you can leave somebody that'll do that, right? Uh, and that was just a, an answer to my prayer. What am I going to do with these people? But Paul knew what he was going to do with the people. He had a guy that was already prepared. Uh, and uh, what did he want him to set in order? Well, this is just an outline of the of the uh, book of Titus, if you if you want to mark it down in your book, these are the this is the outline. He was appointing elders uh, in every city, which uh, is five through one, five through nine, and they're there to the elders are there to teach sound doctrine, and they're also there, and this is uh, one ten through sixteen, to rebuke false teachers. And the second thing that he was to, to set in order was how to interact with the body of, uh, as the body of Christ. And uh, that's found in 2, 1 through 10, talking about ha- having holy lives and living and ha- interaction between each other. And, uh, and uh, 2, 11 through 15 is backing it up with sound doctrine. And then... Uh, not only are, is, was he instructing the church on how to interact uh, as the body of Christ, but how to interact with the world. And that's the last, the final part of the book, which is uh, they interact with the world by holy living. And that's 3, 1 through 4, and then sound doctrine, which is 3, 5 through 11. So Titus was to go through all the churches and uh, and Crete, and he was to set in order these things. 
And that's the key, key phrase in there, set in order. Uh, those three words are actually one word in the Greek. Uh, the word is epideortheo, orthuo. Uh, and it means to straighten something, straighten something out. Uh, and you kind of get the idea of the word, the last part of the word is, is ortho or ortho. And when you hear that word, you, what do you think of? Orthopedics or orthodontics. Uh, that's, that's where it comes from. Uh, and what do you do when you uh, when when you uh, go to an orthopedic uh, when you've fallen and broken your leg? Well, he sets the bone, straightens it out, puts a cast on it, so it'll heal upright and be be correct, right? And uh, what do you do if uh, you're born with crooked teeth like like me? You go to the orthodontist and they put on braces and get them straight and make everything right. Uh, and this word epideortho ortho uh, is really a compound word. Uh, epi is a preposition. A preposition means putting something in place or towards, uh, uh, or to place something towards uh, a, a direction. Uh, and then. Uh, the last half is orthos, which is a word that means to write, as in to raise or erect or make straight or upright. And it's like, uh, it really, if you look at the root word that orthos comes from, uh, that word in, in Greek is mountain, just, just mountain. But it's, it has the idea of a mountain that's lifted up off of a plane, like if you were going, you know, you've seen pictures in Africa where they got this big long plane with all the animals on it. You look off in the distance, and there is Mount Kilimanjaro just coming up out of nowhere. Well, that's uh, that's the idea. And when you think about going and selecting elders, he was going to find the the men that were had, were standing up and show, showing themselves to be a head and shoulders above the rest of them in their, in their character and qualities so that they could be the ones that lead the church. Uh, and uh, then not only did, did they, you need to set that straight, but you need to set straight the way people were interacting in the church so that they would glorify God because of their actions there and build each other up because of their actions there. And then you needed to have them acting right and straight so that when the, when the world saw them, they'd see something different and be ready to hear the gospel. So this is a monumental task uh, to fix the broken churches. They weren't broken. They just weren't set up straight to start with, right? So he needed to set them up straight. Uh, and he needed to get them aligned and functioning properly. Uh, and for the majority of the Christians, if, if we were be, to be tasked with a job like that, we go, no way, I can't do that. Uh, that's just uh, uh, overwhelming to, thought to do that. And, uh, and that's kind of the, why I gave that example uh, of the situation at work. I was in that, oh, no way, I can't do that, but guess what? With God on uh, behind you and working with you and through you, 
You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, right? So, but it wasn't overwhelming for, for Titus because Titus was, was prepared. Uh, and the question is, what had, what had prepared Titus? Well, it's not really what had prepared Titus, but it was who had prepared Titus. Uh, and first of all, the Lord had prepared Titus because the Lord has put in you know, any of our hearts to do any work for him, right? Uh, but the Lord prepared Titus through the Apostle Paul. Uh, and he did it through a couple of different functions of Paul. One was the Paul uh, gave the example that, that he needed to see. If you, if you look in our uh, text for today in Titus, it says, Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Christ, He's describing himself, but that was the example he was for Titus. He was an example of what Titus needed to be, an example of what we all need to be. If we're following Christ, he's our Lord and we're his servants, right? If we're his servants, then uh, then we're going to do what he's called us to do. As a matter of fact, a bondservant is, def- by definition, is somebody who's whose will is surrendered over to the will of their master. They don't have a will anymore. They're just doing what his will is. And Paul was a a beautiful example of that for Titus and for us. And not only was he a bondservant, but that being a bondservant led to him being an apostle of Jesus Christ. And the apostle here is not the big A apostle like uh, Peter and James and John and the rest of them, but it's little a apostle, meaning a messenger, one who delivers the message. It's like a slave that was had been given the message from their master, and all the, their only job was to take it and make sure they didn't mess it up when they delivered it. And the one that that had the authority behind it is their master, not them. So it's it, it's. In that uh, example, Paul uh, was showing Titus that he needed to not only be a bondservant, but also be a messenger. Like we all should be a messenger for God, sharing with others. And then the message was for uh, the chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness. So uh, he was... It's clear what his message was about, who it was for and what it was going to do. Uh, And then it says, but at the proper time manifesting his word in the proclamation which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior. Paul had been entrusted to take this message to the Gentiles, right? He was the the, uh, apostle to the Gentiles. Well, uh, that's exactly what uh, Titus was going to do here. So it was an example for Titus what he was supposed to do with the church in in Crete. Uh, And so, you know, that whole section there can be summarized from 2 Timothy 2.2, which Paul was telling to Timothy, but did Paul teach Timothy things he didn't teach Titus? I don't think so. 
I'm sure he, everybody he discipled, he taught the same thing to because it's what God had taught him and isn't that what uh, we're supposed to do? We're supposed to teach everybody what God has taught us. And uh, in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, he, he said this, And the things which you've heard from me, there's the example, in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. Paul had taught Titus. Titus had seen him teaching it. He saw that uh, he had even learned it so well that uh, he was uh, one that was going to be doing the same thing. And he's even going to do that right now in, in Crete. Uh, and so Paul was the example uh, and not only uh, did Paul know that he was prepared because he'd given him the example, but Paul knew uh, that Titus was, gonna, was prepared because he'd seen him in action. Uh, on Paul's second missionary journey is when we, as best we know, we don't have the exact uh, uh, writing in the scripture from this also, but we know that uh, on his second missionary journey was probably when Titus heard the gospel from Paul, was saved, and started following Paul from that point and was being discipled by Paul. And uh, he was being discipled so well that when Paul uh, had to go to Jerusalem Council to uh, explain the gospel that he was presenting to make sure that uh, they were on board with what he was teaching. Uh, he took Titus with him. It's in uh, Galatians two. Uh, yeah, in Galatians two it says, uh, and after fourteen year interval. Uh, I went up and to Jerusalem with Barnabas taking Titus along also. Uh, and it was because of the revelation that, that I was went up and submitted to the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. But I did it in private uh, so to those who were of reputation in fear that I might be running or had run in vain. So he was, he'd been accused of preaching a gospel that wasn't the gospel. And so he wanted to be sure that he'd been preaching the right thing. So he took, uh, but he also, knowing, I think he was probably doing that just to to refute somebody that was saying he was preaching the wrong gospel. Anyway, so he uh, uh, takes Titus and as an example of the product of uh, his preaching, and they—he was the uh, quintessential uh, convert for them to look at. And uh, when they got all was said and done, they said, "Yeah, you're right on target, Paul." And as we know very well. And so uh, uh, he was an example. He Paul had trained him so well that he was uh, an example of a Christian. But he was also trusted by Paul because of the, uh, as he took to the training so well that Paul knew that he could handle the problems. And Paul trusted him so well that the most problematic church that we see in the New Testament, the church in Corinth, 
uh, when Paul couldn't go back to straighten out problems and probably uh, shouldn't have uh, because of uh, the way they were uh, talking about and treating Paul in his absence, he sent Titus there. And we see that in uh, 2 Corinthians. I told you I was going to get there. 2 Corinthians in verse 7. I mean, in chapter 7 and verses 6 and 7, uh, Paul was upset about the uh, what, the Corinthians and their uh, not, didn't seem like they were listening to what he was teaching and he was getting bad reports, but he says, but God who comforts the depressed, so he was depressed over it, comforted us by the coming of Titus. When Titus came back with the report, it was a comfort to Paul. Titus had been there serving and teaching and straightening out doctrinal error and uh, he came back with a report and not only his coming but also by the comfort with which he he was comforted in you so Titus went there thinking man this is a mess and I'm going to have to I'm going to try to fix it well he was comforted when it got fixed uh, and reported to us your uh, longing and your mourning and your zeal for me uh, so that I rejoice even more. So not only did uh, uh, did Titus uh, come back with a comforting report, uh, he also had, a, in that report, he talked of how they had repented. Because uh, Paul had uh, sent a letter, and it uh, caused them to get upset and, and you can see in verse 8 through uh, 10 how that plays out he says for I caused you sorrow by my letter I do not regret it though I did regret it for I see that the letter caused your, you sorrow though not only, though only for a while I now rejoice and see this is what happened when, when Titus came and straightened them out I now rejoice that you were made sorrowful, but you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God in order that you might not suffer in anything, uh, loss in anything through us. For sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but sorrow of the world produces death. So uh, Paul was excited about their uh, what Titus had done in handling the situation, and it had t- turned out positive. And uh, Paul knew that Titus had the same his same heart for the church, and we see that in uh, uh, chapter eight, sixteen, and seventeen. But thanks be to God who put the same earnestness on your behalf in the heart of Titus. Titus had the same heart as Paul for these people that had uh, gone astray. Uh, For he not only accepted uh, our appeal, but being himself very earnest, has gone to you on his own accord. He knew that, that Titus, when he was given the uh, charged to do something he was going to go do it and he's going to do it willingly unlike me in my situation when I was at work 
uh, and he would do it right. Uh, so Paul knew he was the right man for the, for the task of Corinth, but he was also the right man for the task in, with the uh, churches of Crete. He was well trained and his heart was in the right place. There's a lesson for all of us. Uh, if we get our heart in the right place and we get trained right, God can do great things through us. Because uh, even today, like I said, there's hundreds of churches on Crete. And I was looking over the names of them, and a lot of them are evangelical-type churches. They're not just Orthodox and uh, Catholic churches, but there's several uh, evangelical churches there. So... Uh, he did. He did. Uh, he did well there, and uh, but it was all because he was trained and his heart was in the right place. Well, the application to this is: what about us? Does God give us assignments? Absolutely. We're not Paul or Titus. We don't. We hadn't been. Uh, trained by Jesus himself or trained by Paul like Titus was. But, you know, we are trained with something very good, the Word of God and godly people to help help us. Uh, and we do have assignments from God. Uh, he says, I don't have an assignment to go to Crete and straighten things out uh, or go to here, there, wherever. West Memphis, Raleigh, whatever, where we are. Well, you do have assignments, uh, whether you uh, are aware of it or not. I think you are aware of it. Husbands, you are to what? Love your wives and like Christ loved the church, right? There's an assignment. Uh, you're supposed to be a father that doesn't uh, exasperate your children but train them. Uh, Wives, you're supposed to uh, submit to your husbands and uh, be their helpmate. And man, I'm so thankful for that because <laughs> we have a big assignment and we need all the help we can get to be in the head of the family. Uh, mothers, uh, you train your children. Uh, children, you obey your parents. Uh, in the church, we have assignments. The old men are to teach the young men. The young men are to live by the word. We're all to live by the word. The old women, older women are supposed to be uh, teaching the younger women. Uh, and then you've got assignments uh, with where you work. Somebody is over you. You have a master at work. You're supposed to serve them. Uh, as the Lord and the masters, if you're in, in a place of being over somebody, you need to do it uh, with love and kindness and equality and, and uh, equity, equality, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, treating them uh, right because you're uh, with grace because your Father in Heaven has treated you with grace, right? Uh, and then you need to, uh, we have assignments with uh, to minister to our extended family, our parents that are older that we uh, can take care of, uh, brothers and sisters that don't have anybody else. I've been through that. Uh, 
Uh, and then we have assignments to take the gospel. A lot of those people need the gospel we're talking about there. Our kids need the gospel. Uh, maybe our husband or wife needs the gospel. Uh, our people we work with, our extended family, they all need to hear the gospel. And if they have already heard the gospel, they need to be encouraged in it, right? Then you have your neighbors, and it's the whole world. That's our, that's, we have the assignment of the whole world. As a matter of fact, that's kind of where we're going to end up. Uh, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. You know, Titus had an assignment. Same assignment we have. It's the Great Commission. He was just doing it when he said, All right, I'll stay in Crete and take care of all these problems. What was he doing? He was there to function and help make disciples. Matthew 28 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching to them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That was for Titus, and that's for us. It's not just for Paul and the apostles. It's for all of us. Let's look at it just for a second. Uh, for years I would... Uh, read that and my understanding was well that's for missionaries because they're going to go and make disciples of all nations so, you know, they're going out there and doing it and I'm, I'm here so I, that's not for me that's not what it's about because when you look at the sentence there the verb in the sentence is the word uh, that is uh, makes up the, the phrase Make disciples. There's the verb right there. And uh, so the command is, you make disciples. And what you're doing is, as you go, that's what you're supposed to be doing. As you go through this life, whether you're going way over there to, to another country to do it, or you're sitting right here, as you go, when you're with your wife, your family, the people you work with, your neighbors, you're to be making disciples. Your life is to be one of looking for the opportunities to make disciples. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. Well, we're, fishing, we're on a fishing expedition all the time. And what we're doing is putting out bait and see who will bite. And then when they bite, then we continue to work with them to... Uh, teach them. And it says uh, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, that's just once somebody bites, takes the bait and you've shared with them and they come to Christ, then that's where they uh, go through showing the rest of the world by uh, being baptized. And then it doesn't stop there. It says teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. That's kind of where Titus was with the church there. 
they'd gotten some of what had been what they needed to do to do church and uh, do it right and and keep it uh, functioning properly. Uh, he says, but uh, teaching them to observe all commands. So he was filling in the blanks with all that Christ had commanded the apostles, which Paul got from Jesus. But then he also was he was encouraged and shown stuff through. Uh, the other apostles uh, and then uh, he took that stuff and he went and taught Titus so Titus got got it from Paul all that he'd been commanded and Paul uh, I mean Paul had been taught by Titus and he took it got everything that Paul had had learned and he was taking it and taking it to the the people the churches in Crete so that they could uh, get all uh, that had been commanded not only teaching them to know what it is but to observe it. Uh, and he said, you think that's a big job? <laughs> yeah, it's a big job. Uh, you think it's a big job for us now to think about it? We have all the tools of the Internet, and we can get virtually anywhere in the world in two days, maybe less, maybe in a day, if you get the right plane uh, schedule. But... They, how did they get anywhere back then? They walked. Walked, or they might have got on the ship and gone somewhere, but it would take a long time to do it. And he's saying, uh, go make disciples of all nations. Come on. That's phenomenal. But they didn't balk at it, did they? Two reasons. One, he said, what you're going to do, I'm going to be with you always even to the end of the age. So, hey, if it seems impossible, guess what? I'm the God that makes impossible things possible. And the other thing is, they knew how this worked. Because, see, we we think of things like, well, if we're going to see a lot of people come to Christ, we need to have a... Revival, or we need to get a Billy Graham thing going and, and, and find in, uh, lots of, uh, get lots of people in there and we'll get lots of converts when they hear the gospel and that kind of thing. Well, if you did that and you got a, a thousand every day, that'd be great, wouldn't it? And you go do that a thousand every day, and then they, uh, you start putting that together. That doesn't even come close to the birth rate of the world, and it, you would never be able to reach the the world with with the gospel that way. But if you pour your life into a person, and that person learns how to take the things that you've taught them and pass it off to somebody else and they learn it so well that they can pass it off to somebody else if it went un if that chain went unbroken because here I'm, t- I'm teaching one person and then that person's teaching somebody else well I teach somebody else the next that's coming in behind so now we're both teaching another person and then it turns into it just keeps multiplying if you multiply it out uh, with the world population, and I don't know if they even know what it is, uh, 
you could probably reach the whole world in a lifetime. God knew that. That's the way God reaches people is through a person putting their life into somebody else and then that person taking it somewhere else. How did Jesus reach us? He gave his life for us so that we might live. I shared that with you because uh, we as a church are a group of people that God can use in a big way if we'll just surrender our lives to reaching the world for him one person at a time. It may be through your children. It may be through your co-workers. But you say, oh, I can't. I'm, I don't know if I can do that. No, you can't. But who's going to be with you to the end of the age doing it? Jesus. You can do it. We're going to change uh, gears here. Uh, and uh, we're going to uh, have the Lord's Supper. And I just... Since I've got the whole thing today, we're just uh, uh, 